Those who do not remember the past are doomed to repeat it. We have short memories here in the United States. Lots of reality TV, Instagram shenanigans, and Black Lives Matter rallies to distract the dumpster fire that is everything Joe Biden touches. We're coming up on 20 years since the day that forever changed the world. Newsmax is taking a long look back at that day and the two decades that followed. Bleeding heart liberals want you to forget about the four commercial airplanes filled with innocent Americans that were hijacked by Islamic radicals, turned into missiles and used to kill thousands more Americans on the ground and in the buildings. The president of the United States says it all in time. The biggest threat to America right now is certainly not radical Islam. It's most lethal terrorist uh, threat to our homeland uh, in recent years. Uh, is domestic terrorism, domestic terrorism rooted in white supremacy. We have to stand united against this violence because it just spills over into all communities. And uh, my administration is carrying out the country's first ever comprehensive effort to tackle the threat of domestic terrorism, from reducing online radicalization to disrupting networks that inspire violence and, and uh, providing resources to communities to build up some resilience. We said we'd never forget. Joe Biden's been in Congress for half a century. He saw what happened 20 years ago. We told the families of 3,000 people who died on 9-11 that we'd never forget. Our president has forgotten. Our military leaders have forgotten. The FBI has forgotten. The CIA has forgotten. They can't get their heads around the idea that we don't live in a bubble. What happens in Vegas doesn't actually stay in Vegas. We should know better. What happens in Afghanistan doesn't stay in Afghanistan. Today, the Taliban raised their flag over government buildings in a place that's considered rugged and inaccessible, even by Afghanistan standards. It's called Panjshar Valley. It's been a stronghold for Afghan resistance against the Taliban for decades. It was the last pocket of fighters trying to fend off the Taliban until today. Like millions of Americans right now, you're saying to yourself, why do a bunch of tribesmen in a rural valley on the other side of the planet matter to us at all? I'll tell you why it matters. Everything matters, especially Afghanistan. Nobody's talking about this today. In fact, this is one of the only headlines I could even find anywhere on the Internet. Reports from an Indian news outlet saying Afghan resistance leader Ahmad Massoud, Ahmad Massoud, I'm sorry, has fled to Turkey. Ahmad Massoud, his father, also named Ahmad Massoud, was a legendary Afghan freedom fighter and a key American ally who helped push the Soviets out of Afghanistan in the 1980s. The elder Massoud was widely considered the best hope for peace and democracy in the war-torn country. He led the fight against al-Qaeda and the Taliban through the 1990s. One author dubbed him as the Afghan Napoleon, widely considered one of the greatest guerrilla fighters the world has ever seen. The Massoud traveled to Brussels, Belgium on April of 2001. Now pay attention to that date right there, April 2001. He warned the world about what was brewing in Afghanistan. He spoke to the European Parliament and told them he was losing the war against radical Islamic forces in his country. In that speech, he said if something happened to him, if he were killed or captured, watch out. Something bad was going to happen. 
Ahmad Shah Massoud was killed just five months later when a suicide bomber posing as a journalist hit explosives inside a video camera and blew himself up. That bomber, believed to have direct ties to Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda, that was September 9th, 2001. Say it again, September 9th, 2001. He was killed. What happened just two days later? It's 8.52 here in New York. I'm Bryant Gumbel. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. This just in, you were looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. Tim, just a few moments ago, something uh, believed to be a plane crashed into the south tower of the World Trade Center. I just saw flames inside. You can see the smoke uh, coming out of the, uh, of the tower. The CIA missed it. The FBI missed it. The White House missed it. Massoud knew, though. What happens in Afghanistan doesn't stay in Afghanistan, just like he predicted. The worst attack on American soil the world has ever seen took place two days after the Afghan resistance leader was assassinated. Should we take a look at the headline again? Today, Massoud's son. Listen to this. The last hope of Taliban resistance in Afghanistan is believed to have fled the country as radical Islamic terrorists closed in on him and his small freedom fighter militia. The Taliban announced they pushed out the younger Massoud on their Twitter account earlier today. Oh, by the way, yes, the Taliban spokesman, whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce, is free to post on Twitter at will. A guy who's taken credit for killing countless Americans and Afghans has more than 3,000 followers, 300,000 followers, that is, on Twitter. He uses it as a mouthpiece for his propaganda, his Islamic terrorist organization. President Trump, persona non grata on social media, are you kidding me? Trump, no. Taliban propagandist, yes. Jack Dorsey, you should be brought up on charges. So what's the leader of the free world doing today as freedom officially dies in Afghanistan? What is he doing while radical Islamic terrorists officially squash the democracy we've been building for 20 years since 9-11? Well, he's taking it easy at home in Delaware. A few selfies with a very friendly crowd of union workers, maybe a backyard barbecue, a few beers in the afternoon. Sounds great, Joe. Brand new poll numbers out today, though, on all Americans, not just Republicans or Democrats. They're having a problem. This is everyone, folks. Forty percent of all Americans place blame for what's happening right now in Afghanistan squarely on one man, President Biden. Right now, there's Americans essentially being held at hostage as hostages in an airport in the city of Masar Sharif. Private plane charters on the tarmac waiting on what's being called clearance from the Taliban to take off. We have to ask the Taliban for clearance to take off with Americans on it. It's unbelievable what's going on. Oh my goodness, the Department of State, they never told the Taliban that, that, that they allowed this on this flight. We're actually negotiating with the Taliban and the State Department says they don't have any personnel on the ground, so they have no way to confirm basic details of the charter flights. The State Department has no idea what's going on. But a doctor turned, doctor turned congressman from Texas has a team of his own people on the ground there, and he's making it happen. Republican Ronnie Jackson confirming today that he helped get these Americans out and is still working on three others. Our government is failing where real Americans pick up the slack for Uncle Sam.
So while the world burns and Joe Biden turns his back on the American people time after time after time, there's still one bold voice out there speaking the truth, and it's calling like it is. You have people going all over the world and being dropped all over the world right now, and nobody knows who the hell they are, Cheryl. These were people that rushed into the planes, and they were so interested in trying to make it sound like, oh, they're doing a good job. These people, many of these people, are going to be terrorists. That's Trump speaking exclusively to a local news outlet over the weekend. There's Americans who can't get out while thousands of people we don't even know were stuffed into planes and dropped into the middle of America, American cities all over the place, folks. The majority of them are likely good people who just want freedom. But how do we know there's not some Taliban sympathizers in there or Al-Qaeda embeds being chauffeured into major American cities, your neighborhoods, from the same corner of the world that gave birth to the 9-11 attackers? We don't know. What happens in Afghanistan doesn't always stay in Afghanistan. We know that, though. Those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it. Joining me now is former White House Chief of Staff and Newsmax contributor Mark Meadows. Chief, uh, it just blows me away what's going on. It's like the news continues to get worse and worse for the administration. First, it's the deaths of the 13 American military members. Then it's we left Americans behind. Now they're hostages. And now, even further, it takes congressmen and, and private citizens to go in and try and save Americans. What's Biden doing here, sir? Well, obviously uh, not doing much. Uh, you heard from President Trump. Uh, he has spoken to this issue more than Joe Biden has this weekend. And yet here we have a hostage situation and we have Joe Biden uh, eating ice cream in Delaware. I mean, it, it is a sad commentary. As I drove uh, here to my office earlier today, I looked up at the flags and, you know, they're at full mast. And, uh, you know, and when, when you look at, at that, uh, they want to move on. The, the Democrats want to move on. Polling numbers for Joe Biden are sinking primarily because he is not doing the job of commander in chief. And, and, and you heard it. You, you led, led out the show there where you're talking about, you know, his biggest threat, according to him, is domestic terrorism. I can tell you, you're right. What happens in Afghanistan doesn't stay in Afghanistan. And what we've essentially done is empowered a group of terrorists that we're going to, to uh, formally recognize as a legitimate government. And so we'll have another Iran. The only difference is, is this Iran... Uh, this, this particular country uh, will not be advocating for a nuclear weapon as quickly as Iran did, but it is a trouble, troubling uh, narrative for the American people. You know, Mark, I, I keep going back to this, this story of the, the State Department, the Pentagon, and uh, obviously the White House the Situation Room had to know uh, about this. They've been told that there was at least two or three hours before an, a the suicide bomber that killed 13 American soldiers. They knew about it for, for hours prior. Now, there's only one gate that was open in, in, in Kabul, at the Kabul airport, the Hamid Karzai airport. The rest were welded shut. So there's only one place to get in and out. So a suicide bomber had to go to that spot. We still had our military in that area when that thing detonated hours after they were told about it. Are they not are they not culpable for the deaths of Americans? 
Well, they, they, they are indeed. And when you look at it, uh, the, the buck doesn't just stop with, with those in the Pentagon, like uh, Secretary Austin and General Milley, but it stops with Joe Biden because this was a deliberate decision that was made by Joe Biden and his administration that, quite frankly, he had the intel to, to make sure that we could avoid it. How do I know that? Uh, similar intel uh, had been shared uh, prior to me leaving the White House in terms of what to expect, obviously not on this particular um, suicide bomber, but we had 20, dec uh, 20 years, uh, two decades of intel in that particular area and region. Uh, if we don't know what's going on there, then we don't know what's going on throughout the globe. And I can tell you that the intel that we gathered, this was not an intelligence community failure. This was a decision, a failure on behalf of Joe Biden and his administration. So, Chief, I got to ask you, you were there, Chief of Staff. There was a negotiation on the Trump administration's part to, to deal with the Taliban, to, to negotiate a, a sensible way out of Afghanistan. That was clearly put aside, and they tried something different. Trust the Taliban somehow, some reason, well, for whatever reason. But tell us the difference between what you guys negotiated with and what we ended up with under the Biden administration with regards to the Taliban. Well, it was conditional. I can tell you what we had was actually a, uh, an agreement that was conditional that if there was a joint sharing of the, the governance structure there, uh, if they made sure that uh, U.S. interests were not harmed, uh, if we didn't leave the military behind and that we had this ability to share, then we would start our withdrawal. I can tell you that what happened, though, ultimately, is that Joe Biden uh, abandoned all the conditions that we had there. I, when the Taliban started pushing back while we were still uh, in the White House, uh, I can tell you it was our, the might of our U.S. military that made their presence very known. Uh, and, and guess what? Uh, the Taliban saw very quickly that they could not challenge President Donald Trump and his administration. What did they get after January 20th? Almost immediately, they started being more aggressive, gaining more territory, and they got zero pushback. Uh, you know, it, it's the conditions that we set forth that should have been adhered to and, quite frankly, were ignored. Again, let's let's tap into your experience being chief of staff in, in, in next to the most powerful person in, on the on the planet. So Biden is told that this thing may not be the, the best way to, to, to proceed. Maybe we shouldn't have given a heads up to the Taliban, the date certain that we're leaving. As this started to evolve, as it started to fall apart in Afghanistan this time, being the chief of staff, do you think that Millie and Austin and Anthony Blinken and, and the others, do you think they're afraid to tell Biden that he's got to change his plan? Or do you think they told him and he just refused the, the, the advice? Because clearly it doesn't you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize you got to change something or it's going to end badly. What do you think was going on in the Situation Room? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. I think what happened is, is they were getting daily intel briefings like we would get when I was in the White House. It would actually give them uh, really up to, up to the hour, up to the day kind of uh, intel that, on what was happening. Uh, certainly, they saw it unraveling. We know that now from a, a leaked transcript of a phone call that actually went from Joe Biden to uh, the head of the Afghan government. But we also know beyond that that he had made such a decision that I want to get out. 
He was willing to leave U.S. military equipment behind. He was willing to leave our allies behind. But more importantly, he was also willing to leave Americans behind. Tonight, we have Americans that are trying to find their way out of the country, whether it's through Pakistan or Tajikistan or, or any of the neighboring uh, areas. And he's sitting comfortably in Delaware while they're trying to make a path and, and really preserve their life. It is a sad commentary that could have been avoided, was avoided while we were in the White House. And honestly, uh, they will try to diminish it. They're going to try to sugarcoat this and say, oh, they're doing all they can. Even the numbers that they have that they've been sharing, I heard Ron Klain say that they only have uh, about 100 Americans. I do not believe that that, that information is correct just based on the number of people that are reaching out uh, to members of Congress, to some of us that were in the, the previous administration, I can tell you that the numbers have to be greater than that. But they're falling on deaf ears. Uh, the, the Biden State Department uh, will not even, as you pointed out, will not even allow uh, private uh, uh, air, aircraft to, to leave uh, Kabul. And I mean, it, it's a real problem. All right. From one uh, chief of staff to the next chief of staff, Mark Meadows to Ron Klain, final thought to, 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 that, to that man, sir. Yeah, I think uh, do not trust the Taliban. They can't be trusted. Actually, it will only get worse now that they've controlled Afghanistan. You will see it as an incubator for terrorism, and that terrorism will come home, sadly, uh, as uh, September 11th reminds us, uh, to our, our uh, home soil. So be very vigilant. All right, former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, thank you for your time. Thank you, Eric. Great to be with you. You too, sir. We're just a couple of days away from marking 20 years since 9-11. Newsmax is dedicating all week to remembering that fateful day. We'll take a closer look at the Saudi involvement and why the government has been so tight-lipped about it for 20 years. Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming. It's 8.52 here in New York. I'm Brian Gumbel. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. This just in, you are looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed. All right, all this week, Newsmax is looking back at 20 years since the day that changed our lives forever. Part of that means digging even deeper into what actually happened on September 11th, 2001, and what led up to it. After years of battling with the government, 9-11 families will finally have a tiny bit of closure, at least when it comes to one burning question that's never really been answered. President Biden issued an executive order on Friday ordering the release of the classified FBI documents on Saudi involvement in the attacks. Fifteen of the hijackers were Saudi, so was Osama bin Laden. Brandon Zinke is a Navy SEAL, former Secretary of the Interior under Trump, 
Montana congressional candidate and author of American Commander. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a story uh, from Nyla? What, tell us what you know about this big 9-11 commission, these, this Saudi involvement. Do we know? Well, it's still to be known, right? You, you look at the investigation, there's some compelling evidence. You know, certainly, the number of terrorists uh, from Saudi was compelling. But there's no question, Eric, that the Taliban were involved in aiding and abetting. And you look at Afghanistan, how ironic is 20 years ago, 9-11 occurred, and now we're looking at the withdrawal, what I'd say an absolute failure of the Biden administration, that we abandoned citizens, we abandoned our allies, we abandoned our principles. Uh, and looking back 20 years ago, you know, how different uh, the world has become. We're now uh, negotiating with those same terrorists that danced in the streets when America was hurt, uh, innocent civilians died, first responders showed their grit and merit. But look, this is an attack on American soil, and unfortunately, we're in no better position today as we once were in 9-11. You know, I, I would agree with that. In, in, in fact, we may be in worse position today than 9-11-01 because President Biden has, has kind of pushed us back towards being dependent on foreign oil. Again, we are, you know, for many, many years, we drilled our way into in, energy independence, and now we seem to be, be pushing back in that direction. But is that what this whole, I call it somewhat of a cover-up with, with, with this, these pages that are missing from the 9-11 Commission surrounding the Saudi involvement. Is that what this is all about? We didn't want to tick off the Saudis so that they would turn off the spigots for, for our oil? You think that has something to do with it? Well, it, it possibly uh, could. You, you look at the last seven months, Eric. Uh, we have begged Saudi and begged OPEC for more oil. We have had inflation where plywood is 100 bucks a sheet and gas is at 450. Uh, you'll, you'll look at, we don't have a southern border, and everyone's concerned about vetting, as I am, of Afghan refugees, but we don't vet anyone coming across our southern border. I mean, they're mandated within hours to be taken somewhere in the United States. We don't know how many citizens are in Kabul, nor do we know how many illegal, illegal citizens are in our country. Uh, so you, you look at the circumstances that led to 9-11, uh, a show of weakness and retreat rather than strength and resolve. And, you know, lastly, special operations forces today are in dozens of countries, and we rely on trust, we rely on our foreign counterparts, but the message is we're going to cut and run. Matter of fact, we're going to give lists yeah. of those who helped us and, and gave aid to the actual enemy that was in part responsible for 9-11. This is nuts, uh, and, and I, I, this is one of the reasons why it is time to take back this country and go back to the roots and principles that made this country great. And we just abandoned, whatever happened to John F. Kennedy, that we would, you know, it, we would support any friend, oppose any foe in the pursuit in, in, of liberty. And look what we've done. We've walked away. We've ran away. Yeah, yeah. We went from no Americans left behind to... I don't know, somewhere between one and 200 Americans left behind at, at the very minimum, Mark Meadows would say, maybe more. Um, we picked up and we left seven air bases. We left countless CIA bases. We abandoned them in a, in a very important, strategically important part of the world. Afghanistan sits right between Iran and China. 
China needs oil. Iran has oil. I'm coming back to this oil because I think oil is really driving a lot of geopolitics uh, decisions that are going on right here. It, I I, I'm against being on foreign soil, f f protecting other people's countries and, and nation building. But I do see a strategic advantage of at least helping Afghanistan stay independent from the Taliban because of its geographic location. Your thoughts? Well, you look at our, our oil. When, when Trump administration came in, we were 8.3 million barrels a day and declining. In two short years, we were 12.5 million barrels and rising. All the above, not just oil and gas, we're the largest energy producer on the planet and no longer held hostage by foreign interests like Saudi, like the Middle East. And when you're independent, and President Trump called it energy dominance, is that you have a lot more options. And now we're seeing a fullback begging OPEC for oil. And look, if you're a climate change advocate, I, I can guarantee it is better to produce energy in this country under our regulatory scheme than watch it get produced overseas with none. So, you know, there's this banter there's about climate change and anti-fossil fuel. Uh, you know, follow the science and, and follow who does it cleaner, better, with more innovation. You'll find it made in the USA. Yeah, and, and, and what we're doing is we're letting the, let the Iranians out of the corner. We had them painted into a corner. Their, their economy, which is so dependent on selling oil, we, we had an embargo on, on buying Iranian oil. Now we've, we're lifting that. We're bringing them back into the world markets. And we're basically saying, China, you need oil. We're going to give you some cheap oil. You got one country to get through Afghanistan. It's easy to drill a pipe straight through Afghanistan and deliver the Iranian oil right, right to China. We're letting everyone else prosper. And at what? At the expense of whom? At the expense of the American economy, the American position geopolitically and militarily in the world. Well, and it's sad, you know, because America left our post. And up front, I agreed with withdrawing troops from Afghanistan, but I agreed with President Trump on how to do it, it was condition-based. It wasn't on a timeline dictated by the Taliban. And so now what we have, we've, we've extinguished the beacon of light for freedom. Women's rights, forget it. They're hunting down those who fought shoulder to shoulder with us. We have no idea how many Americans or where they're at. According to the newest State Department release, they're in constant contact with, with, the, with the Americans in, in almost a daily dialogue. Do you think that's true? You know, this, this is why, why Washington, D.C. has become a sewer. And you know, a lot of people call it a swamp. You know, uh, as a former Secretary of Interior, I've seen a lot of great swamps in, in, our, in our country. You know, down, down south in Louisiana, those are great looking swamps. Let's not, let's, not, let's not show disrespect to a swamp. D.C. is a sewer. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> Don't disrespect the swamps. D.C. is a sewer. Ryan Zinke, that, by the way, thank you for your service and our freedom. Ryan Zinke, thank you. And thank you, and God bless. And, and today, let's give some thought about 9-11 and, and those that we've lost, uh, civilians and our first responders. And thank you, America. Indeed. 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 Here, here. All right. Today, the Taliban raised their flag over the last region still fighting for freedom in Afghanistan. Why rural region, this rural region is so important to national security right here in the U.S. We'll be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV. 
Real news for real people. Today, the Taliban raised its flag over government buildings in what's known as the Panjshir Valley. You're saying to yourself, okay, so what and where the heck is the Panjshir Valley? Well, here's a quick history lesson. The guy who led the Afghan resistance against the Taliban and al-Qaeda in the 1990s was the founder of that resistance movement in the Panjshir Valley. Two days after he was killed back in 2001, America was attacked on 9-11. Two days! Think about that. Joining me now is former FBI agent, former Navy SEAL, and author of Sheep No More, Jonathan Gilliam. Jonathan, good to be with you again on television. Thank you for our freedom. Thank you for your service. So let's talk about this. Ahmad Massoud's son, he had taken over the resistance group. He's been pushed out, allegedly, to Turkey. Now, we, this right. is relevant because way back when, in 01, his father, Massoud, was killed by a suicide bomber. Two days later, we were attacked on 9-11. Is this some sort of history repeating itself? Well, I don't think it's repeating itself. If you think about it, the fact is um, the Taliban didn't own Afghanistan then, 20 years ago. They do own it now. And that's a, that is a huge thing to think about when we sit back and realize that what you just said, that this one individual was leading a resistance movement uh, against a group of people that did not own the country. And they attacked us and carried out one of the you know, greatest terror attacks of all time now you know, he's gone. Uh, his son is now in Turkey doing uh, apparently some type of negotiations with the Taliban. But the Taliban, it's hard to tell exactly what's going on because they've learned so much about us, uh, about propaganda and media over the past 20 years. So I, I think the biggest point here is there is two things um, is that, Eric, is it, one, they, the Taliban owns the nation now. And two, uh, when we look at uh, the significance of this place, uh, it really doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things for the Taliban because um, we we have provided all of this stuff for them and they are a much mightier force than they were before. You know, they've, they've said that they're, the time for negotiating with Massoud, the son, is over. I'm waiting for them to say the same thing about the time for negotiating with America. By the way, why is America negotiating with a terrorist organization? But we know now, Jonathan, that they're negotiating with the Chinese already. The Chinese have said right. they'll come in and they'll build roads and bridges. What's that all about? Well, I don't want to go too far on conspiracy theories here, but I will tell you this. Everything that everybody ever said about Joe Biden and his, and his cabinet and his, their relationship to China it's now being questioned whether or not that's actually true because they have put the Taliban and Afghanistan in a position to work with China with the, one of the most viable lithium deposits in the world. And now we, mm -hmm. because of what Joe Biden and, and Blinken did, we now have to negotiate or we have to have dialogue with China because of this. And at the same time, yeah. you know, this administration pushes electric cars and everything electric, and lithium is a huge part of that. So, you know, I, I think, Eric, when we look at all the stuff that's going on, there is such a big game, and everything we're being told, which I talked to uh, Lee Zeldin and other people in Congress that are on the Intel Committee, they, they say everything we're being told is a lie by the, by the Biden administration, and I think a lot of this proves it. And the timing is terrible, Jonathan. right before 9-11. 
The timing's terrible, and, and, and let's pray to God they're not planning some another repeat of, of 2001. But, John, let the, you know, Chinese want the lithium. They want the, the $2 trillion worth of lithium that, that's in Afghanistan. Chinese need oil. Afghan doesn't have oil. Afghanistan doesn't have oil, but Iran does. So all of a sudden, at the Afghans, the Taliban become the chief negotiators between the lithium and the oil that China, China needs and the oil that Iran has. This seems like an unholy alliance 2.0. You just left one other part of that alliance out, and that's Joe Biden. I mean, that's the reality. They don't fight against mm -hmm. these individuals. I find that very strange from an investigator standpoint, not a left or a right standpoint. When I look at this from an investigative standpoint and I see the power that has been handed over to China and their allies, I have to sit back and question why, because there was no reason for this. Eric, can you imagine, you're the finance guy, can you imagine if this was Wall Street and, and these are the investments that Joe Biden was making? He would be giving everything yeah. away uh, if you owned that investment He'd firm. be carried out He'd be carried off Wall Street. He wouldn't make it five minutes on Wall Street and many other places. Right. Jonathan Gilliam, thank you. Thank you for your time. You got it, my friend. All right, coming up, Joe Biden continues to stumble his way through his presidency and lie, lie to the American people, his latest tall tale and a pathetic response from the White House coming up. there's going to be one unified government in Afghanistan controlling the whole country is highly unlikely. We continue to make progress every day in getting uh, Americans, as well as uh, SIV uh, applicants and vulnerable Afghans, out. We've all seen the pictures. That already. was four days ago, five days ago. Look, we made clear to the Taliban that any attack any attack on our forces or disruption of our operations at the airport will be met with swift and forceful response. As we conduct these operations, we are sustaining the highest level of vigilance for an attack against the airport. Still a lot of pandemonium outside the airport. Well, there is, but look, but no one's being killed right now. God forgive me if I'm wrong about that, but no one's being killed right now bringing American citizens out. It is bringing our Afghan partners out. It is bringing allies out. Uh, so no, I would not say that is that anything but a success. I bear responsibility for fundamentally all that's happened. The extraordinary success of this mission was due to the incredible skill, bravely, and selfless courage of the United States military and our diplomats and intelligence professionals. Can it get much worse? Could this president possibly be any more incompetent? Everything this administration has said about Afghanistan has either been a complete lie or just dead wrong, and we're seeing some of the results play out today. Biden's approval rating is plummeting. A new Zogby poll showing 20% of people who voted for Joe Biden for president are now regretting that decision. Curtis Houck is the managing editor of Newsbusters. Now, Curtis... Um, you can't take your vote back, but buyer's remorse sounds like, huh? Yeah, it squares with a poll that we had after the election that found 17% of Biden voters would not have voted for him if they had known about a Biden scandal or a Trump success. Like, for example, 36% of swing state voters didn't know about Hunter Biden and 43.5% didn't know about President Trump's Abraham Accords. So buyer's remorse, yeah, that sounds about right. But what really makes me angry, especially about 
when we talk about Afghanistan is that the news media have been really tough on President Biden for the most part. There's still been outliers, but more than a few have really held his feet to the fire, which shows that they are capable of holding presidents of different parties to account, but they just chose not to, and they put their guy in office last year, and now they're realizing, like these voters, oh my gosh, we have at least another three years with this guy. You know, and, and being incompetent is one thing, but lying about it and lying about things is another thing. It's almost like Biden doesn't realize that we have the we have the benefit of videotape. You know, 11 people were killed in a shooting in, in a synagogue in Pittsburgh in, in 2018. But just the other day, Joe Biden, he lied about visiting that same synagogue. He said he went to the synagogue. Listen. Yeah. So I remember spending time at the, you know, uh, go, going to uh, the, uh, you know, the Tree of Life Synagogue, speaking with them. It just, it just is amazing these things are happening. You hear, you hear that? I remember going to the Tree of Life Synagogue. Now, it turns out he didn't go to the Tree of Life Synagogue. He remembered going to it, but he didn't go to the tree. He actually made a phone call to the Tree of Life Synagogue. And, and, and it's not splitting hairs, because either the man is completely lost it, or he's lying. And either way, it sucks. But the rabbi said, this is what they said. Biden was referring to a call he had with the Tree of Life synagogue. That is what the White House responded. That's how the White House responded to it. I don't, I don't know what's worse. Is, is it worse that he thought he went and didn't go, or he lied about it? Either way, we're in bad shape with this guy's president. Yeah, it is really tough, Eric, just to think about it. He's lost his mind. He's not there. He's not cogent or he's lying. Neither is a really good option for not just voters in this administration, but for the American people and the rest of the world writ large. With the, with the threats that we're facing as a country, the fact that the jobs you know report missed as badly as it did on Friday, uh, again, it's it's a really tough situation that they're going to find themselves in, and no amount of Jen Rubin columns or Joy Reid commentaries or tweets will be able to dig them out of these holes. You know, we should have known in the in the campaign when he talked about this meeting with Corn Pop back in the day when he was a a, a, a lifeguard, and this was a guy who was a bad dude, Corn Pop. He had a straight <laughs> straight edge razor blade that he was gonna he was gonna cut him with right after work, yeah. and then. He met Corn Pop in the in the in in the parking lot and, and said, "I'm sorry I made fun of you, but I don't. I'm not sorry I threw you off the the diving board." That story was BS from the beginning. And and, and I'll just add that you know I'm from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and he claimed that he heard the gunshots at the school shooting at the Amish one room schoolhouse in Nickel Mines. Uh, well, he lives in Delaware, which. If you're not familiar with that on a map, it's, I mean, it's a short drive, but it's not like yeah. something you could hear with an earshot in Wilmington, <laughs> it's Delaware. Not, it's not an earshot. It's not no. an earshot, Curtis. And also when he claimed that he graduated top of a class of a, of, of, of a law school he went to, and I think that the, the actual results were he barely survived passing. We're yeah, going to leave it there. We'll continue on. We'll keep watching at some of his, uh, his, his little fib, little fibs, we'll call it that. Newsbusters managing editor, Curtis Hawk, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Eric. All right. Will Biden make it through his first term all the way through? We're going to discuss that when we come back. The 
Biden administration has claimed that there are no resources left to rescue the trapped Americans in Afghanistan. On top of that, the State Department is saying they're receiving no reliable information about the chartered flight that may still have trapped Americans on a tarmac in Afghanistan. Joining us now, former senior advisor in the Trump and Bush administrations, Christian White. And thank you for joining us, Christian. Let, you know, let, let's talk about uh, the president and his competency. We're talking about how he lied in the last segment. But my concern is I'm not sure this guy is in a place stable enough to be running the most powerful economy and the most powerful military on the planet. Do you? Are you, con uh, are you confident? No, I'm not at all. If you look at the signs, there's just a lack of coherence. Really, I mean, if you look at the agenda, if you look at the timing of things, what's going on, uh, it really seems like congressional Democrats are in charge much more than President Biden himself in rolling out progressive agenda item after progressive agenda item. Um, you know, Joe Biden seems to be approaching this, if at all, much more like a senator than a president. You know, senator, it's a big deal to hold a hearing. Uh, it's just not really within their, their usual sort of series of tasks to actually run the executive branch. We've had exceptions, of course, in our history, uh, but it really seems like he's out to lunch on a lot of things. Take a listen to President Biden being a bit confused on Afghanistan. Taking out uh, civilians and vulnerable Afghan, uh, uh, vulnerable Afghanis and citizens of our, our, our allies who went in with us. The idea of, again, let me, let me, let me, let me get back to the fundamental point I, I made it. It's also, uh, I, it's, it's also, I can't uh, think of anyone better to lead this operation than, than uh, uh, Deanne uh, uh, Criswell of, uh, of FEMA. No, 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 wait a minute. I'm asking you a question. Is that, is that accurate, the best of you or not? What? You know, it, it it's almost sad to watch. I mean, it, it, the guy looks like he's he's just losing his train of thought everywhere. Again, he's got the he's got the nuclear codes. Is it time, Christian, to invoke the Twenty Fifth Amendment? Takes eight eight cabinet secretaries and a vice president to agree. By the way, Vice President Kamala Harris would be poised to take over the top dog responsibilities. Yeah, the problem is with that is that Biden can still pull it together. He has just moments like that that are cringeworthy. I smile and laugh. I shouldn't because, you know, this is our president and it's our country on the line here. And just think, if you're Xi Jinping running China or Vladimir Putin or, or Kim Jong-un in North Korea, you have to see this and think, wow, now is the time I need yeah. to make my move. Um, but, you know, the idea yeah. of moving Biden out, I think, is is not that far off, not so much the 25th Amendment, but by inducing him to, to resign, to retire. Uh, he frankly yeah. ought to do it now yeah. because things are only going to get worse. Okay. The economy is slowing. We're going to have more Obama-Biden-style economic stagnation. Afghanistan isn't going away. And they're yes, probably going to lose at least the House of Representatives next year. The Democrats probably have a plan to move him right. out after that. They can tar him with all of that failure and then give Kamala Harris a year of acting I, presidential in hopes that that helps her in 2024. Oh but for his own <laughs> sake, it would be better under to the, sooner. Uh, under the guise of be careful what you wish for, I got to leave it right there. Christian White, thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. We'll be right back. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. 
Thanks for being with me today. Greg Kelly is back tomorrow. Stick around. Stinchfield coming up.